What do you say to those parents who've chosen public education for their child? Maybe their child is entering the system for the first time. Well, the first thing, uh, I would encourage them to have their child check on see if there's a Christian club in the school. Join the Christian club. I started Houston Student Impact Club 20, 25 years ago when I first came to Houston. You started that? I started it. Yeah. Yes, I did. And um, How many loopholes did you have to jump through? To none. Get to, really? It was no problem. If there's no problem now. If someone wants to start one, all they have to do is find a teacher that will sponsor it. This is Education in the Mid-South, a special feature on Mid-South Viewpoint each Tuesday through the month of August. We're going to provide insight into current educational issues to help parents as they train up their child in the Lord. Welcome to the show. I'm Byron Tyler. Andy Darlington, she taught English at Houston High School for 25 years and is currently serving as the Tennessee State Director for Christian Educators Association International. No stranger to our Memphis Mid-South Viewpoint audience. Andy, it's always good to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Byron. It's always wonderful to be here. I well, appreciate your giving me the opportunity to speak to the people and the teachers and the people in Memphis and all over. Our bots are all over the place now. We are, definitely. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Well, we are excited to provide this series on education with a focus on Christian education and ways that Christians are getting their message out through education in a variety of ways. And so we're going to learn more about this during the month of August. But before we start, I was doing a little reading, found it interesting that when the the Department of Education first started gathering data on the subject of school standards, that was back during the 1869 to 70 school year. Students attended for about 130 days, depending on when they were needed to help their families harvest crops. Now, the standard these days, I believe, is 180 days. Right. So uh, there's 48 days they were working on the fields. Yeah, they were. So I don't know what we would do today if it was 130. <laughs> Parents would probably be pulling their hair out. We probably have some <laughs> some kids that have a work ethic, better work ethic. They'd have to work so hard. Also, early public curriculum was based on, you're going to like this, strict Calvinism and concentrated <laughs> on teaching moral values. Amen. That's what we're <laughs> trying to support. Where has the shift gone from the beginning uh, of education? Yeah. No, I know. They don't want any of that. No. Yeah, I have been criticized that Christian educators uh, – teaches uh, biblical values and to their teachers and how to live out their faith legally in the classroom and we've been criticized for that we shouldn't live out our faith but the law says we don't have to leave it at the schoolhouse door i was reading that free public education was common in new england but rare in the south where most education took place at home with family members or they had tutors Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of that. I think the wealthy families did have tutors, yes. Yeah. But even the fact that education was brought into the home. Homeschool, we think today, is, that's a new concept. Right. But it's been around in the South for a long time. It has. It, it didn't start till later. I mean, I'm not saying later, but about 30 years ago, probably 30 years ago that it became kind of popular. That's when my grandchildren started being homeschooled. I have 17 grandchildren, 14 of them homeschooled. I would have done that with my three sons. If it, I never even heard of it when I was raising them. So we put them in, at ECS in a private school, which was not affordable. But we just thought this is where the Lord wants them to be, and he'll provide, and he did. Yeah, he provided. Mm-hmm. Well, as I was continuing my research, I learned that back in the 1800s, Horace Mann of Massachusetts 
led the common school movement, which was a really new concept at this time, which advocated for local property taxes financing public schools. And the man also emphasized positive reinforcement instead of punishment during those days. I know that's always been an issue in public education to provide discipline. It's interesting how some of the same type of questions or thoughts of the day have been around a long time when it comes to instructing children. I really believe when we took spanking out of the schools, it was bad. You can't let kids get away, not be punished, not suffer the consequences of their actions, because when they get out in the real world, they think they're going to expect the same treatment, and that's not true. got to be a real clarification. We're not talking about beating or abuse. There is a proper way that discipline through spanking can be done. Listen, it happened to me more than once, you know. <laughs> oh, no, I, And I went to public school, and I can tell you, I remember I remember Coach Newt, and I remember his spanking. I remember Coach Fishburn. Yeah, it's always the coaches that got to do the spankings. I don't know why that is. Coach Fishburn had a – was called the Black Beauty. Everybody feared the Black Beauty. That was his paddle, you know. What did you do? Well, nothing big, but, you know, you, you got called up for something, and you got to go and get a spanking, you know. <laughs> I don't think they spank girls. I don't think so. There's a proper place, a proper time. Again, we're not here to talk about that, but it is an interesting aspect. And we see how values have changed because having a sense of discipline is something important for young people to have in their lives. Well, you are the Tennessee director for Christian Educators Association International. And we've talked about this in the past, but for this purpose and the program here, what's your organization all about? Equipping, empowering, and encouraging teachers. That's what we do. Teaching Christian teachers how to live out their faith in the classroom legally. There are a lot of freedoms that teachers have, but people don't know that, and they're scared to say anything. The Christian teachers are afraid they're going to get in trouble. But there are ways that you can exercise your faith. For instance, if you're in high school, it happens more often. Say you have a cross around your neck or something, and some child comes up and says, or a student, What's the cross for? You can tell them. Now, you can't preach a sermon, but you can tell them what it's for, what it stands for. We have some bracelets that we give to teachers, and it says... um, Tetelestai. Tetelestai. You gave me one of those. Yes. They said, I'm sorry, I left it at home today. (laughs) But I've been wearing that. Did anybody ask you what it means? I've had somebody to ask me, yes. Well, if they come up and say, what does that mean? You can say it means it is finished. And they'll say, what is finished? Say... Jesus died on the cross. It's finished for your sins. AD 33 is also, I 80, think, right. imprinted on there with Tetelestai. It is, yeah. yeah. And I have a lot of those. I've been giving them to teachers, and they're good because it stimulates a conversation. You do have some freedoms, and what we do at Christian Educators is try to make sure that those teachers have those freedoms. I had a school not long ago that wouldn't let the teachers pray in the building. And so I found out about it. I said, no, you can pray in the building during non-instructional hours or before or after school. So I told the HR lady to give the principal information about teachers' religious rights. It came from our website. So the principal said, okay, you can pray, but you'll have to come at 7, and the kids don't come till 8.30. And we thought, why are you doing that? She said, well, it says when kids aren't present. And they said, no, that means if they're not in the room with them. So... They started out with five teachers praying, and at the end they had 35 teachers praying on Monday morning in the school, in the building. But it's not because the principals want to quiet your religion or do anything like that. They just don't know, and they're scared to death that somebody's going to come and they'll be sued. 
What does that do for a teacher's morale in the case of a Christian teacher that has an opportunity to pray with other teachers? How valuable, what impact does that have on the teachers that are Christians now right. in the school to get together and pray, do you feel? Huge. What impact does it have if we can't pray? I mean, when you can pray and you're praying for your students, it impacts everybody in the school. I saw a lady at Hobby Lobby, and we started talking, and she told me what school, and it was the school that I just had, had the situation with. And I said, you know, that your child is in a great place because they've got a lot of teachers praying. If you've got prayer like that in that school, the Lord's going to bless it. Something else that we don't take into consideration is teacher's role so much has changed. Reading and writing and arithmetic, which are the foundational educational things you would think that students would come to school for, but students come to school with carrying so much baggage from home. Their home lives are so messed up in so many cases, and teachers often are becoming counselors, trying to help their kids when they're dealing with maybe an alcoholic dad or you know a mom that's never at home. I mean, there's all kinds of issues, maybe missing a meal, coming to school mm-hmm. on an empty stomach because there's no food in the house. Right. So many variables now in the classroom that play into getting educated. I would think that that is a, a weight on a teacher when they're seeing so many students with so many different problems. And that's very in, hard. In and they and I say, why can't you teach those kids? They said, because they're not there. They're not they're they're not they've got had so much to deal with that they're they're really their mind's not even there. It's not in the classroom. But that's all you know, we have to deal with the the home situation. And the schools are doing a great job of sending food home for kids on the weekend, that they'll have foods on the week food on the weekends. They're giving them breakfast, they're giving them lunch. They get a snack in the afternoon. So if they're in the public schools, they're getting food. And if teachers find out that they need something, they're wonderful. I mean, the schools are really doing the best they can do to try to help without going into the home and saying, you know, you need to go to jail, you're drinking or doing anything in the yeah. home. I think they're doing the best job they can. Well, really. as you mentioned, Christian teachers are challenged more than ever to keep their faith out of the classroom and are often forced to teach material that's contrary to a biblical worldview. You mentioned that your organization is designed to equip, encourage, and empower teachers to live out their faith in school. When you've got these other obstacles that the teachers are facing, how difficult is that to be able to provide that encouragement? Well, it's difficult, but there are things that we can come in and help the teachers do. They can ask not to teach certain things that are totally opposed to their worldview. They can give them something else to do, and usually the, par- the, the principals will cooperate. Same thing with parents complaining of the literature. The Common Core literature is terrible. I mean, it's indoctrination. We would never have thought about teaching anything, that some of the books that they're putting on their list. And some of the parents come to me and say, what can I do? And I said, go to the teacher, and she will give the, your child an alternate reading list. I, always, I never had a problem with my reading list because it was pretty much classical. I remember one time I was teaching Tale of Two Cities. I taught honors at Houston. The kids came up to me because the other teacher was teaching Hunger Games, and I was teaching Tale of Two Cities. They said, Miss Darlington, she's teaching Hunger Games. I said, well, have you read it? And they said, yes. I said, then why do I need to teach it? And I had so many, after they get in college, come back and say, thank you so much for teaching these things because I've helped, it helped me so much, especially Tale of Two Cities. This one kid had to write something on someone who'd made a great sacrifice, and you couldn't find a bigger one besides Jesus. And I didn't think they probably could use the Bible. They could have used the Bible. They could have used the Bible. Well, you mentioned Common Core. I was going to jump into that later, but why don't we just kind of tackle it for a second here. This is being pushed. Oh, it's been bought. Tennessee bought it. The new new curriculum, Pearson, uh, 
publishers in England from England have been publishing all this stuff that everybody thought they got rid of. It's back, and Tennessee has bought them. The Tennessee new Secretary of Education wants charter schools. She wants to make all the schools in Tennessee charter schools. I think she did that in Texas. Don't know how long she stayed there, but that is her goal. And Common Core, the teachers can't even teach as far as the math is concerned. Give us outsiders like myself that don't understand what Common Core is. It covers everything. It's a curriculum that covers everything. It's embedded in everything. Even, I mean, and the lack of information about our country and history and the math is, I can't even do it. It's ridiculous. Everything is, it's what they omit more than what they put in. And you ask young people questions like, who is George Washington? And you'd be surprised. They don't even know. Well, you can take a microphone down here on Poplar Avenue and just ask people walking up and down the street basic questions about our American history, and they won't know it. The late shows do it all the time. Oh, I know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and they don't know anything. That is so sad. And so you wonder why we have the problems we have with people talking about wanting socialism. That's what we need to have. And and our education, we're going to take out anything that has anything to do with the Bible. And that is, in classical literature, which they're not even teaching anymore, hardly, classical literature, if you don't know Bible stories, there are allusions to those. I wanted to teach Bible as literature at at our school. Can can you do that? um, They're teaching Bible as history, which I thought they would oppose because that makes it true. And I thought Bible as literature would get through, but I said, the kids need to know these things. You ask them, the book might say he was a Goliath of a man. They don't know who Goliath was. I mean, and, and I think that's so important. I have the curriculum. I still have it. But they wanted to do it another way. Yeah. I saw something, too, now where names, he, she, there's a move now to change a lot of, oh, that it has to do with this gender identity. But our kids are being taught mm-hmm. that it's not just he and she. They've created new names I don't know know how they do it, because having pronoun agreement (laughs) all now, I mean, you're going, what what are we doing here? (laughs) They're changing it, Andy. They're changing it. (laughs) I know. And people, you know, as an English teacher, it's very difficult to survive. I wrote an article called The Curse on Granny Grammar, uh, and it was published in a magazine because I'm just constantly thinking, oh, that's wrong. i got to correct their grammar. I'm kind of better about that now. I'm not doing it all the time, but it's 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 hard because it's so bad. And it's just like when you say everyone went to, it should be his or her class, not there. Well, you never see that. Yeah. I mean, you, they, people do it wrong. And I would, I would tell them that, and I, I said, as you go through this day, see if you can write down the mistakes the teachers make. Well, they made me stop. <laughs> because the kids were counting the teachers, every little pronoun, you know, disagreeing, they didn't agree, and so forth. But anyway, it bothers me. But Well, that's a true English teacher, Andy. <laughs> that's a true English teacher for sure. Never will forget my English teacher back in 11th grade, Miss Crabb. She oh, what a name. <laughs> what a name, boy. Well, I tell you what, she was incredible. Great mm-hmm. lady. Let's have a heart-to-heart talk with Christian parents right now. What do you say to those parents who've chosen public education for their child maybe their child is entering the system for the first time well the first thing uh, i would encourage them to have their child check on see if there's a christian club in the school join the christian club i started houston student impact club 20 25 years ago when i first came to houston you started that. i started it yeah. yes i did and um how many loopholes did you have to jump through to none get to, really? it was no problem Mm-mm. 
There's no problem now. If someone wants to start one, all they have to do is find a teacher that will sponsor it. So I started it, and it's wonderful because the kids have that little oasis, that little time during during um, the, the club uh, time. When you yeah, meet. the club time. And they, yep. they would sing praises. We could have a speaker. Uh, we could pray together. It's, it was great, and it's still there. I mean, there's still I have those opportunities. Of course, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, great. Get your, chi- get your kid to do that. Of course, I also encourage the, the parents to join groups like Moms in Touch, their group of, from each school that pray for the children in that school. It's been quite a while, but I've talked about this program before. Now, usually what moms will get together and sometimes will be in a car right outside the school, maybe before they pick the kids up and pray for the school. And sometimes right before school, they'll march all around the school praying around the school building, praying for the safety of the kids and all right. that. It's a wonderful thing for them to do. And, you know, if the, if the child wants a club and they don't have one, they can start one. That That's no problem. I've never heard of it. If they, if they stopped them, they'd have to come to me for Christian educators. I tell them, no, <laughs> they can have a Christian club. Also, why is it so important for parents to know what their child is being taught, especially in elementary school? Some parents might think, well, the school's going to take care of them. Uh, they're not. I mean, the books that are coming out on this transgender, and the, they're they're starting with the very, very young, kindergarten and first grade. You have to be on, on, on the ball about that. And you can tell them, I don't want my child to hear that. I don't want, I, you know, you can, but, you know, in, in high school, it's okay. They can take it out. They can go outside. But you have a little, you know, kindergarten child, and you don't want to take him away from the group and say he's different or something. Yeah. So they sit there and they listen and I mean they believe what their teacher says. And it is it is frightening. It really is. And even if the Christian teachers say I don't want to teach this, it's, somebody's going to teach it. So, you know, I'm trying to we're trying to, you know, figure out ways and we do give them a lot of ways they can interject the opposite view with that view. You're able to do that. Yes. If they're doing, you know, if you're saying one thing, you say, well, uh, the uh, the other side of this is this. It's the same thing with religion. When I would teach uh, Animal Farm, I'd put uh, the Ten Commandments up, and I'd put the, I think, six pillars of, of Islam up, and I put the Communist Manifesto, Manifesto up. So I had all three. As long as I had all three, I was okay. And then I said, now, which one of these would you use if you wanted to start your own country? All of them said the Ten Commandments. Of course, they don't want those in the school anymore, you know. You can't have them hanging anywhere, but I did have them as long as I had balance. Yeah. I remember I told you this before, and so many of our listeners probably remember, too, in public school right here in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, having a class chaplain open up and read a Bible verse to have prayer but right before we had the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, I don't even know if students do that anymore. Well, they I know do. They do? Yeah. They, last time I heard, they did. They have class chaplains? No, but they do say no. the pledge. They do say the pledge. Yeah. You know, I, But they're trying to get in, uh, what is under God. Yeah. They want to take that One out. One nation under God. One nation under God. Yeah, take, take, that, that. take that And out. I kept saying, it says, to the republic, I cannot stand this use of the word democracy. Now everybody calls us a democracy. We are not a democracy. We are a republic. We're a republican government. And once we get in a democracy, well, that's why they want to take the electoral college out. So it will be a democracy. Well, that's what's moving us toward a socialistic. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Okay. As you mentioned, you started that Christian club. Students have freedom to participate. 
you know, to be part of that club or not? Uh, you know what we used to do? We used to have a teacher breakfast. And the kids would have their guitars. They would sing hymns. They would come to the library. We had a wonderful breakfast for the teachers, and all of them came. I don't think they'll they'll let you do that anymore. It seems like there is just an incredible amount of pressure that's put on the teacher and, and the principals, too, of these schools. Yes, that's what we do, trying to alleviate some of that pressure for the teachers. They'll call me and they're having such a difficult time. I mean, Cause, I mean, their job doesn't stop when the bell rings at two fifteen mm-hmm. or three o'clock. I mean, they have to grade papers. They've got to prepare for the next day. Well, lesson yeah. plans. I the mean, English it's... teachers are grading papers. <laughs> Let me tell you, I never went home without. So many teachers said I've never taken a paper home. I mean, English teachers, I think, ought to be paid more because with the grading we have to do is incredible. If you want them to write, and I did, and so, but I, I, I I'm so proud of this. I never kept a paper um, more than one day. If it was a term paper, I would make it so it was on the weekend, and I could grade them on the weekend, and I would stagger them so all classes weren't doing it on the same weekend. I've got to get those papers back because that's a learning thing. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to learn by your mistakes. If you're not returning the papers to those kids, what do they know? Yeah. They didn't do – what do they do wrong? Yeah. So I – and I really – you can ask any of my students, and I return those papers the next day. You tell me oftentimes your phone is just blowing up because of your position with teachers, just feeling just right. the weight of their jobs. We used to have four, maybe four cases where we needed to get a lawyer a year. We now have five a day. Five cases five a day. Where you have to have a lawyer involved. Where you have to have a lawyer. Oh, my. I mean, it's it's terrible. I mean, we have something going on right now. I mean, I call... I, I, this poor lawyer is working himself to death. But we have an uh, we have a in-house lawyer. You can call twenty four seven. We also are, t- are tied in with Liberty Council at Liberty University. You can go online, ask your questions, and a lawyer will return your answer. And we have local lawyers. And and recently we uh, won a case in the Supreme Court against the union, forcing teachers to join the union. And that does not happen anymore. We won in the, at the Supreme Court, so no union can take dues automatically out of someone's salary without their approval, and they can't force them to join the union anymore. I don't think the, the union here in Memphis has gotten the message yet. How much time does a teacher have to decide whether or not they're going to join Christian educators or the NEA? Well, they can do it any time during the year at all. Any- so even if they've already joined the NEA, they, they can get out. They can get out. Yes, and also they used to say you only have a window at the first of at the end of May or at the beginning of the school. That's not true. There's a, some bill has been passed that they can't give you that time frame. You, they have to be able to get out any time, and they could anyway. I gave them two things: one, stop taking it out of my payroll, and the other, I resign. And that's all I had to do is turn it in. And if they didn't turn that in, if they just resigned and didn't ask them to stop taking it out of the payroll, at the end of the year, they get all their dues they'd have to pay would be due. And they, they don't tell you that unless you see the whole thing that they're signing. There's a page and a half. They sign a little little piece, maybe four by five sheet saying, you can take it out of my payroll and I've joined. The other thing is their cost is three times what ours is because they're paying the local, the state, and the and the NEA National Association. So they've got to triple their pay, whereas we, we only charge $22 a month. Give you $2 million worth of coverage. 
I'm here for you anytime, and I I can go and I do this. I I go if the teacher has to, has been suspended, which is the first thing they do if the teacher does anything or if anybody says they do anything. They're on administrative leave for three days without pay. And then I have to go with them up to the talk with the superintendent to see if we can clear this thing up. And uh, usually it depends. It depends. And I'll say, okay, now do you want to go after the money? Because we can go and try to get the money they missed. And usually they'll say, no, I just want to get back. I'm just glad to have my job. Right. So, But there's so many issues. Byron, it is. And the evaluations are so unfair. They're so subjective. And we can write a grievance on on the only on the process. We can't say anything about the score. We we can't do anything. The score's the score. But we can, if the process was wrong, causing the score to be low, right? We can do something about that. Okay, Andy, our time on this program is. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> it's too much. Too, we didn't even talk about the ESAs. Well, no. Well, I'm, I want you to give me like thirty second, thirty three second commentary about the educational savings accounts vouchers that Governor Lee has said he wants to sign. Yeah, so I don't want them. It'll hurt the. the it's going to really hurt the private schools and the private Christian schools because they will be forced to take those vouchers. And if they take the vouchers, they'll be forced to teach the curriculum. And there won't be any reason to go to any other school. They'll all be teaching exactly the same thing. So that is very dangerous. And I've talked to some of the private schools. I said, you all aware of this. You ought to be out there pounding the payment against this because you're going to be affected more than anybody. And to get more information about this, is there a place to go? Do you have any way to find out Mm -hmm. more details? Contact you or I guess go to... uh, Yeah, contact me. Yeah. Speaking of that, give the web address for the Christian Educators Association International and also a way to contact you. Okay, CEAI.org. That's very simple, CEAI.org. Our website will come up. We've got a ton of information about everything on there. My my email is adarlington at CEAI.org. Contact me anytime. I'm, I'm, I'd love to hear from anybody if you have a question or you want to know more about Christian educators, I'll be at five in services. There's one at Kyville, Arlington, Bartlett, Shelby County Schools, and Germantown. And I'll be at all five of those. She is going <laughs> strong. Not on the same day. <laughs> How do you do all of this? There's only two on the same day. I've got Arlington and the one at Bellevue for Shelby County on the same day. Andy, thank you so much for being part of this special feature, Education in the Mid-South. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I just love you to death. <laughs> well, we're going to have to get our ukuleles out sometime. Maybe on a show we'll have to play them. I don't know. But thank you for listening to this special Education in the Mid-South, a feature that we're airing here on Bot Radio Network Tuesdays during the month of August. Hope you'll join us. That's all the time we have on this program. I'm Byron Tyler. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.